the murder mystery podcast. The story unfolds each week. Will you guess the killer? On the murder mystery podcast, it's The Venetian Affair. Episode 9 The white curtains in their bedroom below inwards, pushed by a breeze that runs strongly down the side of the palazzo most mornings. Maria brought in tea ten minutes ago, and Paddy holds a cup in his lap. He can hear Nancy's gentle breathing, and he turns to look at her, sleeping next to him. For all they have been through, she has never once not been there for him. She has always been ready with a kind word for the people he has hurt or damaged over the years. When he was younger, he was more curt than now, and didn't care about who was injured as a consequence of his ambition. David Goodman is a good example of someone who had been tremendously loyal to Paddy, as they grew British tin. But Paddy had ploughed on with his plans, irrespective of David's views. Paddy still believes what he believed from the outset, that a business is only successful if you have a vision and stick to it. Without that rigorous discipline, British tin would not have grown like it did, and David wouldn't have any Kanako shares at all, he thinks. Paddy has asked himself many times if it was right to split the money unevenly between Liam, David, and himself. And each time, he answers in the affirmative. Nancy wakes and rolls towards him. I dreamt about that dear boy, she says, with sleep in her voice. I went downstairs, and there was a body lying in the doorway. I turned it over, and it was Joel. He puts his hand on hers. Try not to worry, darling, he says. We should send David a message. We've known him so long. Paddy is silent. She sits up and puts pillows behind her then indicates the tea to him, which he hands across the bed. What would we say? he asks. How sad we are, and if there's anything we can do. You know the sort of thing. We haven't communicated personally since the end of the company. All the more reason to do that now, she says, turning to him. He's on his own after Madeline died. What was it, eight years ago? I'll send something says Paddy, almost automatically. A knock on their bedroom door makes them both stop and look up. Maria comes in from the corridor with a letter in her hand. Signore, a letter came for you, she says. Someone delivered it by hand. Grazie, Maria, he says, taking the letter from her. She leaves as quickly as she arrived. Paddy walks over to a side table and picks up a silver letter-opener, with P and N Cornish engraved on the handle. He slices across the top of the envelope, and pulls out a single sheet of paper. After a minute, My God! is all he says. What is it, Paddy? Goodman is suing me, over the death of his son. What? she says incredulously. He reads, our client seeks redress over the death of his son, Nicholas Goodman, 
from Mr. Patrick Cornish. It is attested that Mr. Cornish did, on the day of Nicholas's death or immediately before, act to cause the injury and or the death of Nicholas at his home, Palazzo Mandola, in the city of Venice. That's ludicrous, says Nancy, coming over to him and reading the words in his hand. This man really is obsessed with litigation. There's no basis for this. Nancy's anger rises as she speaks. The police have barely started investigating. He's trying to bias the investigation. Undoubtedly, says Paddy. At lunchtime, Olivia leaves the Calais Goldoni offices and makes her way to the streets around St. Marco. She continues on to the quayside and walks south along the coast, almost as far as the Biennale Park, then finds a small café off the tourist routes. She takes a table in the sun and orders pasta with mussels and a glass of Pinot Grigio. In her mind, she knows that she needs to catch up with the questions that she has about Nick's death and how Jessica could have ended up at the wedding of an art dealer several years before her father had heard of Art de Rabia. Olivia alternates between reading the scrawl in her notebook and sitting watching the people walk by on the broad waterside pavement in front of her. At some stage before her food arrives, a familiar face appears at one end of the stretch of pathway that she can see from her seat. Anna is walking slowly and aimlessly, a woman with no plan. Olivia gets up and walks quickly to her before Anna disappears into the crowd on the quayside path. She reaches out and touches her shoulder. The woman turns and for a moment doesn't recognise Olivia out of the context of the palazzo. Ben is effusive about their meeting and Olivia invites her to join her for lunch as she's on her own, which Anna accepts without pause. What do you think of our crazy family? says Anna, after she has ordered the same as Olivia. Jess told me about you all, so I sort of knew what to expect. Not a murder, though. Anna's eyes are locked on Olivia's face, to gauge her reaction, but she has her courtroom poker face on, and intentionally gives nothing away, so Anna shifts the conversation. Have you talked to my husband much? No, I'm not sure what he thinks of me, says Olivia. He hasn't said, but he'll accept you as a professional to get on with the work. He just won't expect anything more. It's just that he's not that interested in people, I'm afraid, she says. Olivia ignores the direction of the conversation. How did you meet him? She says. He came to one of my shows. Modelling. I was presenting by then. Corporate hires, tedious, but very well paid, says Anna. He was the finance director for the client, and we hit it off straight away. Olivia makes a point of eating and nodding, so that Anna keeps rolling. That was in New York. We exchanged numbers, and he kept messaging me wherever I was working. I travelled a lot then. I needed the cash. Expensive lifestyle to maintain? Anna looks straight at her, light playing around her face. I spent it all, Olivia, she says. Every last penny. 
Olivia lets the words scatter across the table. She takes a sip of wine, thinking through which way to take the conversation. So, Joel came in handy. Anna smiles, more to herself than anyone else. Olivia waits. Yes, says Anna. He did. Does he know? Another pause. Anna, wondering how the conversation went out of her control so quickly. Maybe. He doesn't seem to mind, if he does know. Which is probably the best thing. I'm glad I'm not facing you in court. I'm just doing my job, says Olivia. Did you want to just pull my life apart when you invited me for lunch? says Anna. Of course not. There is something that you could help me with, though. The woman looks expectant. Ever heard of Ernesto Silva? Anna shakes her head. Should I have? Jess knows him, and I wondered if he's a family friend, says Olivia. Never heard of him. What's he do? Art dealer. Nancy's probably the best person to ask, says Anna. She's been in the art business for years. She worked for an auctioneer's when she met Paddy. That's why he buys it. For her. Do you know which auction house she worked for? Not Sotheby's, says Anna. Chattix, is it? That's how she knows Malin, too. She met him here, at a Biennale. They all knew each other, then. Thirty years ago, says Olivia. Thirty-five? she just got pregnant with Jess, and she wasn't married. Nancy's from a rich family, and apparently they were appalled. Even though it was the eighties, her family were traditional. So Paddy married her. Registry office in some London suburb, says Anna, out of view of any of her family. Did they forgive her? Don't think so. Her parents are both dead now, and her brother inherited everything anyway. She got nothing. But Paddy had more money than her family in the end, so it didn't really matter. Not sure she speaks to her brother any more, though. Was Nancy still in the art world when the children were young? Says Olivia. Could she have been to weddings of people back then? Or even taken her kids? Anna shrugs. I don't know. Olivia jumps topics as her witness seems very willing to talk. I wanted to ask you something else, she says. Anna raises her eyebrows in acceptance, halfway through a bite of food. When Phil appeared at dinner after being away, says Olivia, you said that you'd seen him talking to Nick Goodman? It could have been. Tell me what you saw. I was on a water bus coming into the Santa Elena stop, says Anna. It's the first one you get to from the leader. I'd been out there on the beach all day. She stops and looks up flicking back in her mind through the forest of memories. Phil was there, waiting for a boat, I guess. He was with a tall man who had brown hair. Was he taller than Phil? Yes, why? I met Nick the day before he died, and he was over six foot. Was the guy you saw that tall? Phil's what, five ten? says Anna. So, yeah, the man was over six foot. When I saw the body in the hallway... It reminded me of him. I didn't see his face on the quayside when he was with Phil. They both had sunglasses on anyway, 
but he just seemed to be the same guy. You didn't get off and speak to them, says Olivia. I stayed on board and went back to the palazzo. Olivia stores the information away in her head for later analysis. The mobile phone rings on Ted's desk. He answers the call and listens without saying his name. It crosses Nicole's mind in that instant that he usually says his name, and she flicks her eyes up to watch him talk. He listens to whoever it is for a minute, then stands up, covers the mouthpiece, and whispers to Nicole, Sorry, I need to take this in Paddy's office. She smiles weakly. He walks into the office and shuts the door behind him. In the few months of their relationship, she has watched him a lot, she thinks, and she's not sure why. Beyond the glass, he looks like a man trying not to get angry. She can't hear anything, but she can see his body movements exposing his feelings. He finishes the call after a few minutes and comes back into the room. Something at home, is all he says. The walk from the Palazzo Mandola to the eastern side of the city is one that Nancy has made many times over the years, since the family has had a home in Venice. She never tires of the intricate beauty of the city and the constant surprise of discovering new alleyways and squares that she has never seen before. Like a Byzantine maze, the old grey walls hiding their secrets for as long as they can. She walks across the stone bridge that spans the Mendicanti River and turns towards the grand entrance of the hospital. The clouds have drawn back and the first rays of sun highlight her face as she disappears into the connected squares that make up the San Giovanni and Paolo Hospital. After five minutes she finds Malin's ward. He is asleep and she sits beside his bed until his eyes start to flicker open. You came, he says. I wondered if you would. Did you do this on purpose? To get me to see you alone? She says, and smiles at him, the way she used to. How are you feeling? Getting there, he says. Some infection, they reckon. Is this from the robbery? Most likely, he says. And then... I thought you might bring her with you. No, that wouldn't be right, Alan. It would be good to see her, he says. Nancy looks at him with sad eyes. Give it up. It's not going to happen. You can't forgive me. She stands up and turns to the window to hide her watery eyes. They both wait for the other to say something important, but neither does. How is the exhibition coming along? She says with as much normal as she can find inside her. Christine is doing a great job. What is it, five days now? She'll be ready. They talk superficially for twenty minutes, both of them half glad for the veil of banality. They decide to go and walk outside through the quadrangles between the wards of the hospital. We haven't talked like this for years, he says. Not alone? No. Were you the one to convince Paddy to sponsor the pavilion this year? That was the easy bit, she says. Convincing the British Council over numerous lunches was the real challenge. Given they're the ones who decide who exhibits here. 
You did that for me. They were never going to choose you without some help, Manon, she says. They just needed a little push. By mid-afternoon, she is preparing to leave. She pulls on her coat and kisses him on the cheek as a nurse arrives with a drugs trolley. What have they got you on? She says. Painkillers of some sort. She starts to walk away. Nancy? She stops and looks back. You didn't say why you convinced them to choose me for Venice. Because I owe you, Malin, she says, and walks off towards the sunlight.